Good afternoon, everybody, or morning for some of you, or whatever time it may be for any of you out there listening to The Rant with me, Eli Krebs. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I have a bunch of things to cover. Uh, This might even be a two-part episode uh, where I make one, quickly make another, and then you'll have an hour to listen to me talk about all things that have transpired in uh, the almost non-existent world of sports. But in all honesty, we have a lot to cover today. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, Coronavirus update for all of you people out there. Um, Again, these are just the statistical numbers. We'll talk about maybe some of the states that are reopening. We'll talk about how that affects sports. So it's all going to segue together. Uh, But right now there are 1,299,770 total cases of coronavirus in the United States. Now, that does not mean that's how many active cases there are. That's how many people have had the virus in the United States. Uh, Death, total number of deaths as of today in the United States, 77,559. Total number of people recovered. This number doesn't get reported as much as it should. There are 219,482 people who have totally recovered, and by that means either been have recovered or have been discharged from the hospital and are no longer on any type of support system and they're perfectly functioning people. Uh, that makes up 74% Okay, of those of the total numbers is people recovering slash discharging um, so in the total outcomes, right? Meaning you either die or you get over it, right? There's only two things that could happen and uh, that makes up 74% of those two outcomes. So good news on that front as well. And obviously knowing that there's been 1.2 million total cases uh, and only 77,000 deaths, we have to know that really the recovered slash discharge number is probably very underreported. There's a lot of people who are asymptomatic and never went to a hospital. um, So it's hard to actually get those numbers correct. But from the data we have, where the hospitals have recovered and discharged people, that's still a pretty big number, a lot more than the deaths. So we're going to roll into states now. Um, New York has 337,421 total cases in their state. Uh, Total number of deaths is 26,581. Again, New York landslide, the most infected place there is, is New York City right now and New York State. Uh, a lot of people are singing praises for uh, Governor um, Como in New York, but it's a mis- it's a mixed bag for me in the opinion of I don't understand how you could be giving someone praise when your state and the biggest city in America is infected more than any other city in America. Uh, they didn't shut down the subway until. A couple days ago to clean it. 150 years, the subway's been going 24-7, and it's the first time ever they shut it down uh, and not let it run 24 hours. It's only running, I think, half that time, and they're shutting it down at night to thoroughly clean it. They decided that, I believe, on May 6th, they wanted to shut it down and clean it at night. 88 days into a pandemic, you decide to not let public transportation run 24 hours a day so that you can clean it. Again, these are the people that are in charge who are, t- are basically being awarded the best state in handling its outbreak. Uh, I don't buy it. All you got to do is just read information and you can see how that's a, a, a fallacy. Anyway, 
Total new deaths in the last 24 hours for New York has been 216. Uh, they have, of that total number of 337,421 uh, cases, they have 255,293 active cases. So again, you're looking at about 100,000 100, some odd people who have either recovered or um, have just basically been asymptomatic in New York. So that's a good percentage as well. Um, and, and also you have to subtract, obviously, the uh, the death total from that number of active cases, obviously, because they're not active anymore. But again, you're still looking at a very big chunk of that being um, people who have gotten over the virus. Uh, then you have Jersey. Again, Jersey is 135,106 total cases. They have 8,834 deaths, and they have 125,151 uh, active cases. They have no new deaths reported right as we are speaking here. I'm looking at the website. Again, for those of you who don't know where I get this information, very easy. You just go to worldometers.info backslash coronavirus. That'll bring you up a table of contents, basically, where you can select on any country in the world. Then I select on the United States because that's this that's the place I want to focus on. We can go and talk about other state other countries if you want. I don't want to do that on the show. I think it's it's better to stay here because I live in the United States to focus on the United States, and I've said this plenty of times. Um, and I think uh, overall, it's it's where we should just maintain our singular focus and not worry about what other countries are doing. Uh, again, third, uh, fourth place or third place. I'm sorry. Uh, Massachusetts has 73,721 total cases. They've had 4,552 deaths and they have 61,051 active cases. Uh, let's see. Illinois has is in the fifth spot with 70,873 total cases. They have 3,111 deaths and they have 67,117 total um, active cases. And then California is in the fifth spot. They have 62,477. They've had um, 227 new cases in the past uh, 24 hours, and they have 2,545 total deaths, and they've had two or 10 new deaths in the past 24 hours, and they have 50,204 active cases. So again, that's showing me, if you're looking at this data, that California has a pretty big chunk about um, you know, 8,000 people or so who have recovered from this virus, who have, who had been reported having the virus. So again, and this is interesting when you look at the overall, um, what states are still in lockdown. We have Pennsylvania who kind of loosened the screws a little bit, but then decided to keep some, uh, some counties in their program. They have a, a red, yellow, in green program in Pennsylvania. I'm so there's some of you are listening to me and you understand because you live there, California, it's going by counties, but the counties are in charge of how they want to loosen the screws. Uh, I know here in Alameda County where I live, it's a lot of, it's a lot different than what the governor is saying. Basically he said today would be the start of when retail businesses would be allowed to do, um, curbside pickup for items. That's not allowed to happen in my county yet. So there's still a lot of crazy things going on. But then you go down the list, you have uh, Michigan, who's behind Pennsylvania for a total number of cases. And you have Florida, then you have Texas, both of which Florida and Texas are now currently, I want to say, operating 
almost completely open. I know most retail stores can't have more than a certain percentage of people or you can't go to certain places still, but uh, commerce is being conducted. Florida now has uh, the WWE, uh, the, uh, the UFC has a fight uh, tomorrow, and that's taking place in Jacksonville. So a lot of these states are opening up. We have um, Georgia who's opening up. A lot of southern states are starting to um, basically relinquish the hold they have on on certain things, and they're letting people uh, get back to work. So that's great news all in all. I think what we're seeing is very positive for the most part. Now it just becomes uh, more of a political game of who's going to let us do what in the near future, what's the plan. Um, and right now we kind of don't have a plan. I know that's frustrating for a lot of people. A lot of people would just like to hear a plan. And then you have the people out there who think, you know, relinquishing the hold and going back to work isn't worth even one person dying. And that's absolutely ludicrous to think that. That's not how society works. It's not how life works. I've told you guys many times, 7,500 7, people die on average a month without any type of crisis going on. They just die. Okay, whether it's from old age, whether it's from heart attacks, whether it's from strokes, whether it's from obesity, whether it's from car accidents, people just die. That's just the nature of life. Okay, it's the circle of life. Everyone who's probably listening here has watched Lion King. Okay, that's that's the circle of life. Okay, everyone dies. I wish I could write right now, sign a decree into effect that no one ever died. It would be great. My grandpa, who I'm very, very close to, who listens to my show. Hi, peep. How you doing? I love him. And I wish he could live forever. My grandma, I wish she could live forever. I wish everyone I've ever met who I'm close to could live forever. But the truth is, that's not life. People don't live forever. One day, I'm going to die. And this show will cease to exist. And some of you might be happy. But I'll be sad when I die. And I'm sure my family will be sad when I die. But the truth of the matter is, people die. So we can't sit around and hide inside because we're scared of what happens every month regardless, okay? Right now, auto insurance companies are giving you money back, right? The reason is people aren't driving. Those people aren't driving, so cars aren't on the road. I know now people are, are starting to drive more because they can't take it anymore. I know at least where I'm at, traffic has increased. But the thing is, why would an insurance company give you money back? One, it's good PR, and two... Because no, they can. Nobody's claiming accidents. Car accidents kill more people, okay, than, than most things happen in life. Okay, besides heart attacks, strokes, obesity, heart attacks are um, car accidents kill lots of people. About almost fifty thousand people a year die in a car accident. Right, it's about forty nine, forty eight thousand people a year die in car accidents. Okay, that number is going to go way down because in this year. We're going to have a couple months where no one really got in a car accident, hence why insurance companies are giving you money back. But that's all going to even out. So when you look at the grand totals of deaths in this country, when you look at what you can compare 2019 total deaths to 2020 total deaths, it'll almost look the same because it's all going to average out. Okay, it all, as a very good saying, um, my father once said, is it all comes out in the wash. Everything works its way out. That's just life. People will die. Whether it's not in a car, whether it's you ate a hamburger and you had a heart attack, that's just the way life is. People die all the time, and I don't know why we can't just get one guy to come out here and say, listen, 
some of us will die. And we're really sorry about that. But we can't sacrifice basically 38 million people being unemployed, one in five children going hungry, food banks that have lines three miles long to get food in order to save X amount of people when, frankly, X amount of people die every month regardless of a crisis. So I don't know why you get, you know, blasted on social media. I mean, I do know why you get blasted on social media. I don't know why we can't just have one person who nuts up and says, hey, this is the way it has to be because we can't afford the economic stressors anymore. And there's people that are suffering in this country. So again, I you I might be told I'm a heartless piece of shit, but whatever. I'm a realist, and realists understand that we can't live in this safety little bubble where I'm not allowed to go outside ever again because that's not functional, nor is that rational, and does that help anyone. In fact, it hinders way more than it helps, in my personal opinion, and the data will reflect that, I personally believe, as we move forward because of how many people are unemployed and unable to feed their children. Okay, One in five children right now in the United States is going hungry. Food banks across the country have lines where you're in your car, you're waiting for hours to get food. Just just let that sink in for a second and think about how it's affecting way more people than it is this virus. So again, I'm not in charge of the country. I don't make the rules. I'm not an uh, I'm not a virus you know doctor. I don't know all the ins and outs of these things, but I can't understand how basic economics works, and this is not good. Anyway, um, it's a sports show, right? So let's talk about how all this affects sports. I think, ultimately, we need to be able to make a choice, right, as a, as a society, stay home or go outside safely, okay? What that means, the new rules are, I have to wear a mask everywhere I go, whatever. If that's the new rule, that's fine. We've already adjusted to that. I know there's some people who don't like to wear masks, and that's stupid because it's not about you. It's about other people, right? The mask doesn't help you get sick or get not to get sick. It helps you not spread the virus. That's why you're supposed to wear a mask. Um, again, that's why South Korea was able to curb it so fast because their country had already has a, uh, I guess, uh, society-wise wears masks almost all the time, regardless if there's virus, whatever. They just do it. But the thing is, we need to be able to make a choice ourselves, assess risk ourselves and say, I am okay with going outside by following these guidelines. Or you can be afraid, like the thousands of people on Twitter who are afraid, and they go, I don't want to go outside never, ever again. That's fine. You should be able to make that choice. But this segues into one of the the big talking points of this week in sports was that Penn State head coach James Franklin um, had, I guess, what people were calling controversial uh, comments on starting the college football season. Uh, He was quoted in saying, if two schools can't open, I don't see a conference, any conference, penalizing 80% or 75% of schools because 25% of them can't open. Again, people saw this as controversial, but it's completely logical. If you can't start the season and yours, if or I'm sorry, if you can start the season and your school is in a state that is okay, 
They've loosened the screws. They've allowed you to go back to school and they're allowing you to operate business as usual. Your school should be 100% able to play the college football season. Now, what he is saying is, if you imagine you're in the Big Ten, let's just say for some reason Michigan decides they're not going to open their school because Michigan is still uh, above the threshold of whatever the Michigan governor and the Michigan people in charge say. But Ohio State and uh, you know Penn State and a bunch of those other schools in the Big Ten say, you know what? We're fine to play. We're going to play. And that's what he's saying is you can't penalize 80% or 75% of schools if only a small percentage of them can't open. So in the context of saying that they were saying that the conference would decide if not even one, if, if even one school wasn't willing to open up or could not open up, they would deem the entire conference conference ineligible to play the season. And he was saying that's ludicrous. And a lot of people jump down his throat for it, but it is 100% ludicrous. It makes no sense. Why would you penalize schools that have good numbers, that are opening up safely, and they are following the guidelines entrusted in their state in order to play a football game? Now, whether that football game is conducted in an empty stadium or the rules to that is yet to be decided, we're just talking here about physically allowing teams to participate in the season. And... Listen, if I'm college football, I'm I'm doing the exact same model as the NFL. I'm business as usual until otherwise dictated. So, again, you can iron this out, um, hopefully in the next two months, because we're going to have uh, off-season training for a lot of these college kids who are going to come either back to school or get permission to go back to school. We've already seen a bunch of schools in the South and the SEC who have decided to say that they are opening up. I believe every school except Vanderbilt in the SEC has said they are willing to go ahead and um, open up their campus in the fall, and they're allowing uh, their football teams to practice on their facilities. So, again, I believe that you just have to go business as usual until you have to dictate otherwise, and that is up to the state's of the where the schools are in place if they're allowing them to continue. Again, I'm not telling you to do this not safely. I'm just saying it should be done safely and there should be made every effort to do so. You shouldn't try to not do it. That's what a lot of people are doing right now. They're basically coming up with excuses as why you can't and they're not coming up with solutions to why you should be able to and that should be applauded. Solutions to problems is how this country survived it's, you know, since 1776. We always fought problems we had, but now, for some reason, in today's society, we want to sit here and say, this is a problem, I'm scared, I'm going to hide inside, and that's not the right response here. The right response should be, business as usual, let's figure out how to do this safely. And I applaud James Franklin for saying the obvious. Anyway, we're going to move into uh, some other topics here. Excuse me. Uh, so, big news in the NFL before the schedule release, which I'll get to in a bit. Dalton to the Cowboys, and how this how this can impact the future for Dak. Okay, people are blown are are basically playing this down. The media is like the Cowboys secured themselves a good backup. Yada yada yada. Yes, they did. But in reality, what they did 
is they played it perfectly. They owe Dak $31.8 or $31.3 million after he signs the tag. If he signs the tag. He has yet to sign the uh, the. The franchise tag. So, for those of you who don't know, Dak Prescott was issued the franchise tag. He has not signed. They're still trying to work out a long-term deal, supposedly. But, basically, he's no... he's. It's just like the Le'Veon Bell situation that happened in the Steelers two years ago. He is not technically a member of the NFL, and he's not a free agent. He's just in this limbo state. So, he doesn't have to report to any training camps, to any OTAs, if those continue to go on. Anything like that, he does not have to go through with. So again, it's a smart move because having Dalton there basically secures your team. If Dak decides to hold out, which is a possibility, you now have a capable quarterback to go into the season with and you're not scared. You basically have all the leverage now. You told Dak, listen, we're trying to get you a, a long-term deal done. You want a little too much than we're comfortable with paying you. You could play on the tag, and you could make $31 million, almost $32 million, just for this year, or you could not. Now, the other thing, the other side of this coin is extremely interesting, and I think the Cowboys should do this, in my opinion. The quarterback market is what it is right now. Excuse me. Cam still can't find a job. Cam Newton, no job for him. Joe Flacco still can't find a job. Okay? We saw Jameis Winston had to take $1.1 million to go be a backup. The quarterback market is extremely limited. Bill Belichick says he's comfortable with having Stidham as the guy behind Brian Hoyer, and then maybe that might change at training camp, which means to me they might go get a quarterback next year. Anyway, the quarterback market right now is abysmal. It's almost nothing. There's no movement. The only way Cam Newton or Joe Flacco is going to get a job is if somebody gets injured during the season, which usually happens. So they're going to have a job, but right now there is no job. So what I would say to Dak or what I would do if I was Jerry Jones is rescind the tag. So if you rescind the tag, you basically are saying, forget about it. We don't want to sign you anyway. That makes Dak Prescott an immediate free agent. So anyone is free to sign him to anything they want. Okay, He could go to any team out of the other 31 teams in the league or, or, or sign back with Dallas right, and test the free agency waters. By doing that now, though, knowing what the quarterback market is, I don't think there would be a team to offer Dak the money that he wants. I'm not saying he wouldn't get a contract offer, but he wouldn't get the $40 million contract long-term deal, too. Again, that's what he's chasing now. It's a long-term deal. He's not looking for a stopgap, big-money, one-year contract. No, no, no. He has that right now, and he hasn't signed it. He wants a long-term deal worth multi-years of $40 million a year. So what you are doing, essentially, is telling him, go find it in a market where that almost doesn't exist. So what are they going to do? 
Well, I think that's the like a very interesting kind of out of the box idea where you could save yourself $31 million on the cap, rescind the tag, let him test free agency. You may or may not lose him, but what you do have is an Andy Dalton on a one-year deal worth $7 million. So either way, you're sitting pretty good either way. Dalton is a decent quarterback. I don't think he's any better or worse than Dak. So it makes sense to me if they were to rescind the tag, tell him, you know what, I, it's not worth the headache. We don't want to sign you for, you know, we don't want to spend $32 million on you. You don't want a one-year deal. That's fine. Go ahead and test the the waters out there and see what's available to you. And, and I guarantee you he will not get signed because no team right now currently wants a long-term deal worth $40 million to any quarterback because they either already did it, they already they're coming up to where they need to do that, or they just got a young rookie quarterback in the draft. Again, that's just the way the NFL is right now. So, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell Dak, but um, I think it's a pretty great move by the Dallas Cowboys. Um, let's see here. How much time do I have left before I have to change the segment? Okay, uh, I got five minutes left. I don't know if I want to jump right into this because I feel like um, it's going to be a, a lot to talk about. Um, but anyway, I could tease it. I could tease it until the, uh, till the end here. Anyway, so, uh, we got coming up in the next segment. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to be a two parter guys. Okay. So if you're listening to this episode, you just want to wait for it to end because I'll tell you when, and then you can click on the next episode. Um, or maybe I'll even try to link this in one episode. I'll see if I can tinker around with the software tools because I'm terrible with computers. You'd be surprised. I'm terrible with computers, but somehow the show gets, you know, put up on the stratosphere every time I do it. So yeah. Anyway, so next, next thing we want to talk about in the part, in part two of this, we have Jay Glazer's comments about Ben's workout habits. Okay. So all you Pittsburgh people are going to love that because apparently the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers cannot stay out of uh, the national media's mouth. For some reason, they sure as shit just love to talk bad about him. Then we're going to talk about um, a little bit of The Last Dance. And uh, if you haven't seen that documentary, I highly suggest you go out there and see it. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, why the NFL needs to stay business as usual and continue to stay business as usual during this uh, during these trying times. And then we're going to talk about some of the uh, the disdain in uh, the local uh, the local yokels are talking about on social media. Some uh, some people that are bothered by some comments made by some local journalists, and we'll hit that up and we'll talk about it here in just a few minutes. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot for listening. Remember, stay tuned. We're going right into episode two after this. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. Remember to check out uh, jagoffsports.com. Uh, where my episodes are linked and they got content so you can, you know, fill your needs either way. Go listen to my stuff, go listen to their stuff, go read their articles. It's great stuff. Anyway, part two is coming up. So again, listen there. All right, everybody, welcome back into part two. Um, we're going to kick off exactly where I said we were going to leave off, which was uh, Ben Roethlisberger being thrown under the bus by Jay Glazer about his uh, so-called workout habits, 
Uh, for those of you who don't know who Jay Glazer is, he's the Fox insider for uh, the NFL. He's kind of like the Adam Scheffner of Fox. Um, he's got all his plugs and all his connections, and he breaks the big stories, the trades, the rumors, all that crap. Anyway, Jay Glazer is apparently fairly close to Mike Tomlin. Um, they've been seen at training camps talking, laughing, all that garbage, But um, which is basically a way for people to clickbait you into believing that Jay Glazer has any inside information on why he thinks Ben Roethlisberger doesn't work out and is in terrible shape. Um, again, that's the national media's uh, prerogative right now. So they're basically trying to uh, shit all over Ben Roethlisberger's reputa- reputation. Again, th- and this is and I'm, this has nothing to do with him personally. Okay, but you know the the things that happened in his past, people never get over that. Uh, I'm not making excuses for anything that happened, but I will say we still live in a country. Um, well, I guess it, it goes up and down and, and it fluctuates. Whatever well, uh, you know, depending on the day of the week, you know whether you believe everyone or you believe evidence. I mean, if you've watched the news lately, you'll know what I'm talking about. But basically. Charges of the sexual assault were dropped, and he never went to. It never even went to trial. Okay, so they dropped the charges, so he was never convicted of sexual assault. Just to bring that up one more time, because I have to beat that dead horse even harder. But other than that, that happened, you know, in two thousand five or two thousand six, whenever that happened. He's been married now, has three kids, and has now been a pretty model citizen. He said some off-collar things in the media regarding teammates, sure. But he's also the quarterback, the franchise quarterback of the team. He's won two Super Bowls, been to three, and still gets treated like he's a second-rate citizen and that he's fat, he's overweight, the beard's too long, he looks like a hobo. All this stuff continues to just, you know, surround the Twitter the Twitter sphere, and it's 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 ludicrous. It's ludicrous that this guy gets disrespected. He got disrespected when the whole Antonio Brown thing went down. They blamed him for Antonio Brown blowing up. And then Antonio Brown goes to Oakland, makes an ass out of himself, then goes to New England, makes an ass out of himself, then goes back to Florida and then makes an ass out of himself while not being a part of any team at all. And so quickly, all those media members along the way who threw him under the bus and told everyone that he was the problem, had to put their foots in their mouths and then retract all those statements. Some of them actually did apologize. Others clearly didn't apologize, but just backpedaled and basically were like, you know what, yeah, Antonio Brown needs to correct himself, but never addressed the fact that they threw Ben Rosberger under the bus for something that he had zero control over and, in fact, probably should have been applauded for because he was able to get, you know, 10 productive seasons out of that guy uh, with before he blew up and became uh, the idiot that we all know and love today. So anyway, after all that, still, uh, the guy has uh, season-ending elbow surgery. He gets surgery. He goes back. He obviously can't work out until the arm is back and ready to be starting to throw objects. So I'm sure he's not in the best shape ever because I don't know about you, but if you've ever had surgery, you probably don't feel like working out, even if you're doing leg workouts and it's just your arms. And Ben's never been Mr. Go to the gym and bench press, you know, 250 or go to the gym and run. He's never been that guy and he's not going to start, you know, at age 37 in his, you know, NFL career. So again, these are just crazy accusations that he's basically drinks beer plays golf, and does one session of yoga, according to Jay Glazer, um, you know, every week or whatever. And that honestly sounds like a pretty baller workout. 
But again, this is all just adding up to the Big Ben uh, revenge tour that will happen in 2020. Mark my words. Ben, you can say whatever you want about him, but he is a gamer and a competitor. Okay? He will come back, and he will come back with a vengeance. And I guarantee you, he will be in the conversation for Comeback Player of the Year because you don't think he 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 hears all this nonsense about him being fat, being overweight, saying that he can't do it anymore. Okay, and then Bruce Arians is on, uh, and he comes out and says, "You know what? I I'm neighbors with Ben at my lake house in Georgia. Uh, I've talked to him lots of times. He's in great shape. Okay, he uh, says his arm was hurting him." the year before, and that his arm feels a 1,000% better. Uh, this is all paraphrasing, but you can look at the direct quotes. Bruce, Ar- Bruce Arians is the only guy who's had his back, basically. Uh, it's a shame that we let Bruce Arians go. I think he would have been a good head coaching candidate if we didn't run him out of town. But, you know, that's what we do with all the offensive coordinators of Pittsburgh. We just run them out of town. Excuse me. But, anyway, so... And... That conversation leads into why the Steelers continue to get dragged through the dirt and not finding a QB to back up Ben. Even though the teams had the team, okay, three people in the team, the owner, the GM, and the head coach of the Steelers have all said, we do not feel like we have to go out and get a quarterback. We like the room we have. And pretty honestly, it's annoying. It's annoying that we have to keep listening to the media try to tell us that this person would be a perfect fit for Pittsburgh, or this person should go there when they want Cam Newton to go there. Okay, with what money? They're barely under the cap, and they don't want Cam Newton. Cam Newton said just said he wants to be a starting quarterback, and he just, I guess, took that statement down because there's no work for starting quarterbacks, and yesterday said, well, I'd find a backup job, but I want to start. Well, he's not going to do that in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's not going to sign him. So, not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So, the media can try to connect the dots all they want, but I listen to the Holy Trinity, and that's the owner, the GM, and the coach, who have all said the exact same thing. We're fine with the quarterback room we currently have. Again, I'm not saying I'm fine with the quarterback room that they currently have, but they are currently fine with the quarterback room that they have, and they are in charge of the franchise. I am not. So, again, you can connect the dots and try to put anybody you want there, but it's not happening. They're just not going to sign another quarterback. And I don't understand why we have to keep talking about this like it's happening. Anyway, we're going to talk. Um, uh, I guess I'll come back to that, honestly, because I'm on this NFL kick, and it's it's good. We can talk about the last dance later if there's time. Um, right now I'm going to move into, uh, again, though, uh, we will talk about it. It's great. The last dance is phenomenal television. Uh, I highly encourage everyone to go watch it. We'll circle back to it, but again, watch it every Sunday, nine, nine Eastern every Sunday. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. A little phlegmy this morning. Uh, the, okay. So the NFL is the model that all sports franchises should follow. Okay. Here's why. Obviously, it's a bit harder for the current leagues that are foreload right now, right? Um, that had to cut their seasons short, being the NBA, the NHL, all those, uh, the NBA, or uh, the uh, Major League Baseball, all that stuff, um, to follow this model. But the NFL is business as usual, and it should remain that way 
through all the trying times that we have right now. The NFL will steamroll its way into existence, and it won't force anyone to play. It'll be a choice, and as Steelers defensive end Cam Hayward said on Twitter, we about to find out how much guys like football. Hashtag stay ready. And that's just it. If sports can come back safely, they should. And those players that don't want to play, that's fine. They don't have to play. But you'll see how many people step forward to receive their paychecks. There will be a lot more who play than don't. Why do you think the NFLPA, okay, the NFL's Player Association, agreed to sign a new CBA, a collective bargaining agreement, just for you people who, you know, stay, you know, follow me along. They agreed to sign that new CBA two years before it was due. Why would they do that? Because they were scared the money was going to dry up. This is not about staying healthy, okay? It isn't. I know, and everyone's like, oh, what are you talking about? This is a disease. People are dying. Not to these guys. This is not about staying healthy. If NFL players were concerned about their health, they would not play football. Period. Okay? It's a dangerous sport. They get compensated by putting themselves in danger and being paid millions of dollars. Okay? So for putting themselves in danger, they get compensated by being paid millions. Healthcare workers and military members are putting and have put their lives on the line in order to perform their duty in today's times, in past times, in war times, in non-war times, okay? Some may say that's a stupid comparison, and I agree with you. Healthcare workers and military members get paid substantially less. But again, what we are seeing here is politics at its finest, okay? If the WWE and the UFC can be declared essential businesses in the state of Florida, Florida, don't doubt for one second that the NFL can't play that game too. They are way bigger and way more powerful. Okay? We're going to see how many people want to play. We're, we're, we've heard it now in comments with Major League Baseball who's trying to get up and running again. And there's some top echelon guys that weren't okay with being separated from their families and put in a baseball bubble when they started thinking about, oh, let's put baseball in just the state of Arizona and plug and play these games and everyone will be quarantined in one place. And some of the high-profile guys were like, I'm not doing that. That's fine. You don't have to. But I guarantee you, there's it's going to be like the replacements. There's going to be people who want to play and make money. And they will. And Major League Baseball will continue to go on. Okay? You can survive without a couple stars. It'll be fine. It'll be fine until we get this ironed out. But don't act like these multi-billion dollar businesses are not going to be able to get this done. If the WWE and the UFC can do it, then the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, all those all those places can do it. So look for that in the future. Look for the NFL to continue business as usual. And we're going to find out, okay, whether it's these teams right now, you guys can't play. To any fans, stadiums are empty. You're still going to play. You're still going to be fine. We're going to have rules set in place on how to travel, on where to stay, on the testing. Okay, you might have to get tested before a game. That might be the rules that go down in place. 
And, and if you're not comfortable with that and you don't want to do that, that's fine. You won't play. But that also means you won't receive a game check. And just remember, folks, I'm going to say it again for everyone out there. This was a league. The NFL was a league that signed a new CBA two years before the current one ran out. And the reason why they did that was they were scared the money was going to run away. They were scared they were going to be left out to dry. So don't even think for one second that these guys are going to hold out because of their health concerns. That's 100% a bullshit lie. And they will be there come kickoff if the checks are there for them to receive. It's just super simple math. You can't have one without the other. You can't sign the CBA two years before it actually runs out and agree to those new terms, which, by the way, everyone hated, the star players hated, but the, the majority of the league, and we talked about, and I talked about this in the CBA episodes, the majority of the league is made up of ham and eggers, journeyman guys who are just trying to get as much money as they can before their NFL career is over. Those guys agreed to the new CBA. And that was the majority, and that's how it won. So don't act, don't ask, don't even think for one second that those guys won't be there to be able to play. Now, does that mean there won't be some high some high profile stars that sit out? Sure. There might be, but they won't get a check and they'll be fine with not receiving a check. You know, just like in baseball, that uh that Kershaw said that he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go to Arizona and be quarantined away from his family. That's fine. He doesn't have to. But there's lots of people that do it. Like I said, I made the comparison to military members and healthcare workers. They're quarantined from their families. They're out on patrols or out on deployments or whatever, away from their families, making far less money, making the same, if not bigger, of a sacrifice. Yet, here they are. They do it. People do it every day. People make sacrifices like that every day. Just because Kershaw doesn't want to doesn't mean there isn't some minor leaguer who doesn't want to try to make a shot and play baseball, okay? Money is the ultimate equalizer, all right? Everyone is searching for money. Some have enough to sit out, but some don't, and there will be baseball, there will be football, there will be sports. If the leagues can open up safely and follow the guidelines, they will find players to play if the stars don't want to play. So just remember that, everyone. Anyway, moving into... Uh, some local talk now. So Steelers talk for all you people out there. People in the Berg are up in arms because Ed Bouchette, who I believe writes for the Athletic now, um, if I'm, is it the Athletic? Is it SI? I, I don't know. One of those subscription-based websites. He used to write for the Gazette. He got fired. Now he's at the Athletic or something. I don't know. But he wrote in his column that the Steelers are unlikely to re-sign both Juju and James Conner. And the people went berserk. I guess the truth hurts, but why is this a surprise to anyone? That's what I'm asking. Is it because the team seems to have faith in both of them? General manager Kevin Colbert was on Pro Football Talk uh, singing Connor's praises and believes he will come back into the 2020 season healthy and he'll come back uh, and... He'll be a great player in uh, all this. But if he comes back healthy, how long will he stay that way? Colbert 
contradicted that very statement he made weeks before. He even said it. When they went ahead and drafted Anthony McFarlane, running back from Maryland, if he truly trusted Connor, like he says he does in that interview on Pro Football Talk, why add to the room where there are currently five running backs on the roster? I understand they're going to make cuts for training camp, yada, yada, yada. But we saw a lot of those guys play last year. Is it because he doesn't? That's what I'm going for. I think it's because he doesn't trust Connor. Okay? If he did trust Connor, and he's obviously going to say on the media that he's trusting Connor, because why would he throw Connor under the bus for no apparent reason? It's playing politics, everyone. Everyone does it every day. He's saying he wants him to turn to turn around and bounce back and have a great year. I'm sure he wants to trust him. He wants to be able to see Connor go back to his Pro Bowl form that he was back in 2018. But just like Roger Daltrey said, okay, we won't get fooled again. But mark my words, Connor could rush for 1,500 yards and have 2,000 all-purpose, and the Steelers would not resign him. Okay? That's just the facts of the matter. He could have a all-pro season, and the Steelers would not resign him. Unless it is on a very nice hometown discount rate. Because they just can't trust him. You don't go out and get a running back in the fourth round if you don't trust your current running back room. They have never seen Connor complete a season healthy. Ever. Okay, just remember that. For all of you people who love Connor, just remember that the Steelers have never seen him, okay, never seen him finish a season healthy. He's always been hurt. As for Juju, the future is in his hands. He needs to produce in order to get paid, regardless of what the team... Um, might come, uh, uh, regardless of what team he might be on come 2021. This is a great place to be if this, uh, for the Steelers, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. Much like Bud Dupree of last year, sometimes money can be the ultimate motivator. Hopefully, you get the extremely hungry player who is unhappy with the way last season went and blows up and returns to Pro Bowl caliber level of play that we have seen from him over his past two seasons in the NFL. The Steelers often don't sign wide receivers after the rookie deal, though. Okay, so it doesn't matter. I hope that Juju, again, just like James Conner, because this is, this is the other fallacy that people live in today, is you can talk bad about these guys, and then everyone thinks that you're, you're no longer rooting for them, and you don't want them to have a good season. That's not true at all, okay? I want them to have a great year, both of them. Like I said, if Connor would rush for 1,500 yards and have 2,000 all-purpose yards or more and have an all-pro year and, you know, everything like that, I would be over the moon. But the Steelers won't resign him. Okay, that's just, that's just what they're going to do. They're not going to trust him. And as for Juju, okay, the Steelers often don't resign wide receivers after their rookie deals. Okay, here's the list. San Antonio Holmes, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace. Lots of names on there. Plexico Burris, other guys. They don't keep after their uh, their rookie year. 
They just don't. They've cut a lot of, all of those guys were high draft picks. And every single one of those guys was cut after the rookie deal. Okay, it's not surprising for a team who drafts wide receiver better than any team in the league to believe in the ability, to believe in that ability, and let players walk in order to invest more capital in your team. That's just simple thinking. But the problem is, the current generation of Steelers fans, okay, like players more than they like the team. And I don't know why that is, but they can't see the forest for the trees and actually look at the big picture, okay? The reason Steelers, the Steelers do not sign wide receivers is because they draft them immaculately. They are extremely gifted at drafting wide receivers. They hit almost every single time. Okay, the only ones I can think of that didn't work out was maybe Limus Swede, who was a bust, and maybe Wheaton, who had flashes in the pan but wasn't as great as people thought. Other than that, they've literally hit home runs on almost every single one. Santonio San Holmes caught caught the pass in the end zone to win the Super Bowl. Okay, worth a first round draft pick. He won you a Super Bowl. Moving on, Manuel Sanders was a great complimentary wide receiver, had great seasons and great numbers with Ben Roethlisberger. Mike Wallace, great wide receiver. Didn't work out when he left here, but he was a pretty good wide receiver. Do I need to talk about Antonio Brown? Do I need to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster? Do I need to talk about how they got Deontay Johnson and how they have uh, a whole list of young wide receiver talent? No, they draft wide receiver immaculately well. No one is. No one should doubt the fact that the Steelers are very good at finding offensive playmakers. But the problem for this current generation of Steelers fans is they like the players more than the team. I love Connor. He played at Erie McDowell. He went to Pitt. He had cancer, man. He fought cancer. He's the best. You don't don't talk bad about him. He's the best. He's he's so good. And, and, and we'd have to resign him because he's from here, man. You have to do it. I, I love Juju. He's lit. He's litty. He plays Fortnite just like me. He goes to the club. He dances. He just has fun. He's just a kid. Let him have fun. I want to buy his jersey. Okay, these people like the player more than the logo, and it shows every single time, okay? I hope Juju and Connor have great bounce-back years. I'm rooting for them. I'm not rooting for their demise as much as people continue to believe I am, okay? And just like uh, Evan over at Jagos Sports, he bet me 50 bucks that James Connor would go over 1,200 all-purpose yards this year. But I said, that's not happening. And, and that's just a smart bet, ladies and gentlemen. I'm betting that Connor does not have over 1,200 all-purpose yards. I'm betting $50 that Connor does not have over 1,200 all-purpose yards. Because when you just look at the data, there is no way he's going to stay healthy for all 16 games. It's just impossible. He's not going to make it. They drafted another running back. They have a they have a room full of running backs because they don't trust Connor. Okay, it's very easy to see. They've drafted a running back every year, and that's the smart play, guys. The smart play is draft a running back every year because you never know what's going to happen. You have to invest in the running back position. It's cheap, and it's easy to find new ones. And I'm sorry, folks, as much as you love Juju and as much as you love James Connor, there is a very good possibility that none of them are here come 2021. 
And I know all of you Pitt fans and all of you Ari McDowell people and all of you homers and all of you young kids who love them and think they're great. Just remember, what have they done for you lately? All that they have done and have been remembered for so far, okay, is being hurt in, in, the, in the end for, for Connor more than Juju. I mean, he was hurt last year. Fumbling games away for both of them, okay? Both of them have fumbled big games away. Do we remember the Saints game, 2018? Remember that? Anyone, anyone remember that game? I remember. I was super pissed. They could have won that game. Do we remember the Cleveland game where they should have won the home opener if it wasn't for James Conner fumbling away? Okay, lots of times last year. They did it last year. They fumbled games away. Juju fumbled the game away against Baltimore last year. Okay, this is a re reoccurring theme here, folks. Until they go over that bar that they set for themselves, okay, it's what have you done for me lately, and what you have done for me is lost me football games. So that's why I'm not a big, you know, love the fa love the person. I love him. I love 19. I love 30 because I don't root for the I don't root for players. I root for the logo, okay? I root for the logo and the team. I want the team to succeed. And if that means individuals have to succeed in order for my team to win, I'm rooting for that. But I'm not rooting for one player's success while my team goes eight and eight. I don't want that at all. And and here's the here's the here's the ultimate truth, people. The ultimate truth is until they get over those hurdles and until they win big games and don't blow it. They will always be labeled that way. As much as you love them, as much as you want to play Fortnite with Juju, as much as you want to go hang out with James Conner and get him to sign all your stuff, okay, they will always, right now, until they till they prove otherwise, be known for blowing it during big games or being hurt all the time. Because that's what we've seen. Okay? You can lie to yourself if you want, but don't lie to me. I know what I've seen. I know what I've watched. And it's not been good. And the proof is in the pudding, ladies and gentlemen. The proof is in the draft. They went out and got another running back. They went out and got another wide receiver in the second round. Don't act like these guys are going to be here forever because there's a very good chance they won't be. Anyway, last few minutes here, we're going to talk about, uh, I guess we'll talk about the last dance for a bit. I got like, I guess, four minutes, three minutes. Anyway, great program. It's it's honestly amazing. It's super well done. I know there's been criticism from people who like do documentaries saying it's not really a documentary. Who cares? It's entertaining. We don't have any sports right now, and it's great. I don't know what you're doing on Sunday nights, but you need to be in front of your television watching The Last Dance. Try to watch all of them. I mean, you're a little late to the party. I think episodes seven and eight are this, excuse me, seven and eight are this weekend, uh, so this Sunday. But it's great. It's really showing how crazy Jordan's life was and and it just remember it's reminding you how great of a player he was so definitely watch it maybe we'll talk about it um in the future here I'll try to go through some of uh some of my favorite episodes some of my favorite uh points uh that have been made in the in the documentary series uh that I think uh one of my favorite quotes ever was in the last episode um I'm not gonna talk about it right this minute but we can talk about it later uh, as there's lots of things going on, but I just want to let you guys know I'm doing everything I can right now to try to get you guys more content. Again, that's why I'm doing this double episode right now. I feel bad. My work schedule has been crazy. I've been trying to get you guys more stuff to listen to. Um, hopefully I'll have some more stuff to talk about tomorrow. We can maybe go into the scheduling details. Uh, 
I, I honestly really don't give two shits about the schedule. The schedule's the schedule. You found We found out when it was today. Cool. Now we just know when the games are. I'm hoping I'll be able to go to a game this year. Um, that's what I'm really praying for. Like, forget about the schedule. I'm just praying that I'll be able to go to a physical football game. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys, for listening. Thanks a lot for hanging in there and going through this long episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, please remember to share the podcast with friends, families, cousins, dogs, uncles, aunts, whoever. Uh, remember to look at jagoffsports.com. Check out their stuff. My podcast is linked to their website they have a bunch of content for you to check out if you're a Steelers fan or if you're a Browns hater whatever go ahead and watch uh, and listen to their stuff or read it uh thanks a lot for listening guys and I will see you guys when I see you